0: You're listening to episode 293 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, speaker, and mental health advocate with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. It's about allowing for room to grow. And this podcast focuses on three main pillars human connection, personal growth, and freedom. We cover topics like relationships and cultivating genuine supportive connections with ourselves and others, speaking your truth, shattering personal barriers radical self-acceptance, and courageously leaning into your skill sets. Whether it's a solo episode or bringing on highly curated guests with incredible stories, experiences, and expertise to share, we're leaning in and taking the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while still covering the uncomfortable topics that many of us like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Hey, hey! welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here. And today is another special episode in the entire series that one of my absolute closest friends in the world, Dr. Jade Tita, and I are doing all about relationships. So you can check the show notes for other episodes. Um, The one that has aired most recently about confident detachment and radical honesty in relationships has been extremely extremely popular I've gotten incredible feedback about it so make sure to go check that out that is episode 291 and today we're talking about some heavy topics that a lot of people like to shy away from so Jade has been both the betrayed and the betrayer in uh, an infidelity situation in two different relationships and I have been the betrayed party in a relationship and there's a lot to unpack here, and one of the reasons why I proposed to Jade that we do this particular topic was not only because we can offer some unique perspectives from both sides of the, of the coin, shall we say, but also because I feel that we get into this more in, in our conversation, but I feel that there's a huge lack of support for the people who do the betraying. For the people who who do step outside of the relationship because if you look up any information about how to heal from infidelity, it only ever really covers how to heal if you were the one who was cheated on. And that leaves out one entire half of the equation and I just feel so strongly that there's a huge amount of work to be done where learning about both sides can help both sides to heal. And developing a greater stand understanding and having more compassion for both sides of the equation can make an enormous difference in how you move forward and your understanding about relationships and human connection and how you're going to choose to show up in your next relationship too or how you are going to deepen into a relationship that you are currently in particularly the one that you have with yourself, because I always bring it back to that. It's one of the most, it is the most important aspects of relationships is how we relate to ourselves because how we show up for ourselves will affect and impact every single relationship we have in our life, whether it's romantic work, platonic, doesn't matter. Any relationship we have with another human being, it will reflect the way that we relate to ourselves. This is a really important conversation. Really, really important conversation. And I work with people from both sides of the equation. And I can't tell you how much pain there is on both sides. And as somebody who has been in the position of being betrayed before, I very much understand the deep deep pain that comes with that what I think a lot of people who who have been on the betrayed side don't realize is how much pain there is on the other side too and the guilt and the shame and every situation is different but there's there's just always there's room for compassion there's always room for compassion. So Jade offers a lot of really unique perspectives here that I really want you to pay close attention to. He's also probably going to say some things that might make you uncomfortable, but I really encourage you to sit with what he's saying and really allow it to sink in. And it doesn't mean that you will agree with some of his opinions. It doesn't mean you'll agree with some of my opinions, but I do think that there's a lot of value to be had in this episode. So Jade's story of uh, betraying and being betrayed also really shows how he, he took that as such a a catalyst moment in his life to fully mature and take responsibility for what he describes as his own dysfunctions as well. And in this episode, we cover how to heal from betrayal from both sides, being the, the betrayed and doing the betraying, um, signs that someone is likely to cheat. Why people cheat in the first place, using the experience to spot our own dysfunctions, how to develop an honor code for yourself and in how you show up for your relationships and for other people. We deepen into the conversation around honesty as well. And Jade is one of the most honest human beings that I know. So that really comes through on this episode as well. And sometimes how he shows up with honesty, like I said, it might make you uncomfortable, but it is honest. If you want honesty, this is the right episode to listen to. So you might want to take some notes for this one. (laughs) There's a lot packed into this. I can't wait to get your feedback. And if you want to share it, if you want to chat with Jade or with myself, please make sure to reach out. Uh, The easiest way is over on Instagram. He is at Jade Tita and I am at Emily Goff coach. Um, either one of us would love to chat with you and to hear your feedback, your feedback from this episode. So buckle up, tune in, and let's get started. All
1: right, so conversation for today is a tough one, mm-hmm. a very tough one because um, we're gonna be talking about the idea of, of romantic betrayal. And obviously there's two parts to romantic betrayal. There is the person who's being betrayed or was betrayed And then there is the person who is doing the betraying or uh, has done the betraying. And so what's interesting about Emily and I is that we have different experiences. So my experience is I had an affair while I was married. um, And in a sense, so I was the betrayer, betraying my wife, being with someone else behind her back. Um, however I also was betrayed because the woman that I was having an affair with who I thought we were moving perhaps towards something of our own uh, ended up being she was also married she ended up being with hooking up with a third person that I ended up being the one to find out about and so in that sense I was being betrayed Um, so I was in what I would describe a betrayal sandwich and Emily uh, I'll let you tell a little bit about uh, your story right now and then we'll just kind of get into it. But how did you, uh, what's your orientation towards this?
0: Yeah. And, and I I would be considered the, the betrayed uh, party. Um, I was in a relationship for nine years and found out on Christmas Eve that my partner at the time had been having an affair for our entire nine years together, had a secret house down the road. There was a whole double life situation happening. So. But I do think that this is an interesting conversation for a variety of reasons. One is that I, I work with people on both sides of the fence. People who have been betrayed and people who have done the betraying, in a sense. Um, and I'm starting to notice more and more questions about how to deal with the pain and the guilt and the, the shame, potentially, of being the one who did the betraying. Mm. And there's actually very little out there, I feel... To support people on that side of the fence, shall we say? I started doing some research into it and I could actually find very little. It was all about how to heal from being cheated on, but very little about how to heal from being the one who did the cheating. Mm. And I think that this conversation is so much more nuanced than just looking at it in very rigid terms of the betrayee versus the betrayer. And I think that there's there's a lot to unpack and talk about here, especially given that betrayal doesn't generally happen without self betrayal, for either party. So there's there's a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, why don't I? I'll let you kind of start. Where would you prefer to start here in terms of, um, you know, wanting to help people understand this? Where would you think we would, would be the best place to start?
0: I think that. I think that in order to heal both parties need to have a better understanding of how the other one feels and i think that there can be a lot more sympathy for the one who was betrayed Mm -hmm. and i think that then that removes a lot of uh the curiosity about why someone maybe chose to do the betraying Mm -hmm. in the first place because it takes two to have a relationship and one of the biggest keys to healing that I teach on is learning to take responsibility for your role in the relationship. That does not mean that you take on the other person's mistakes. That doesn't mean that you take responsibility for their wrongdoings, but you have to own your own in order to move past it. And I think that when we end up in these situations where it's uh, cheated on versus the, the cheater, all the blame gets directed towards the the one who did the cheating and I don't think that that's always fair and that's not to throw blame around because I I don't think that that blame is the right way of looking at this but I think that we have to better understand why these things may happen in the first place and to take responsibility in each of our own roles and then to have a a better understanding um, moving forward of, of the other one whether you decide to stay in that relationship or not because this is still going to impact future relationships all
1: right well why don't we do this then like why don't why don't since um to make it easier for everyone listening let's start with then uh the person who's doing the betraying Mm -hmm. and since you were the person in your relationship who was betrayed what why don't we just start with questions you want to ask me since i was on the other side of it and then i'll kind of do the same even though you and i both have had these conversations a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously me and my ex wife, Jill have had this, these conversations a bunch, but what would you, what, what would you say people need to know? Like, what would they want to hear from me? Is it, is it just simply why would you cheat? Is it yeah. like, how does that happen?
0: Yeah. Um, I think that that's one of the biggest questions is it's sort of like, it can also turn into a self blame. Like what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Why wasn't I enough for you? Mm-hmm. Why did you choose to step out of the relationship? What was it about that other person? What what do they have that I don't? Yeah. What what do you have with them that we don't? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, first of all, not only have I done the betraying and have been betrayed, but I've also, and so have you, worked with a ton of people. Um, not nearly as much as in my metabolism, you know, but I would say hundreds, not not tens of thousands like in metabolism, but I would say. Hundreds, if not close to a thousand people who have dealt with this on either side. But I think the first thing to understand, and now I'm looking back, you know, going on close to 10 years later um, and grew an immense amount from it. But if I put myself back in that situation, the thing I think to know is that um, you don't uh, myself personally and most of the people I've walked through, uh, you know, this sort of coaching about uh, doing the betraying almost no one is conscious of what they are doing in the way that most people think so yes they're conscious It's not like they're sleepwalking it's not like they don't know what they're doing but they're not conscious uh, of the reasons uh, always to the degree that most people think right we we think there's this idea of like, well you did this you must have had very concrete reasons you must have known exactly what you were doing exactly why you were doing it And the truth of the matter is i think the first thing to understand is that actually is not the case Um, and if if you want to sort of understand this there's all kinds of behaviors and ways we do things maybe we get sad a lot maybe we get angry a lot maybe we have repeated patterns uh, in different kinds of relationships and oftentimes it takes something pretty big happening before you wake up to how you're behaving i think everyone has that uh that experience in other things Uh, besides just cheating. And I would say that the first thing to understand is that most people who are cheating or betraying aren't 100 percent clear on uh, why they are doing what they're doing and that is a very frustrating uh, fact that a lot of people just simply cannot and do not want to accept. We humans are not always conscious of all the reasons. Now in hindsight I can tell you that it is um, a conglomeration of things, and I'll just give you uh, is that the right word, conglomeration? (laughs) Yes, uh, it is a a a series of different things. First of all, um, having thought about this, deeply studied it, uh, really looked at my past behaviors, worked with other people. I had a mother who was an amazing mother in terms of a loving mother. I was not physically or emotionally abused in any way. I had an amazing childhood. However, I also had a mom who was married at 19, whose, uh, you know, husband was the first person they had ever been with and the only person they they had been with um, and had four children by the time she was 28 and had a lot of trauma herself. And so why am I telling you all this? Because my childhood traumas fed definitely into uh, how I betrayed later. And what that came down to is my mom while loving was I would say unpredictable, emotionally volatile. Um, I never knew what I was really gonna get and so I learned to distrust women I think uh, to a degree and this did not become clear until years later even years after my affair. So that was part one. Part two was although I was always kind and generous and in fact Probably kind to a fault, probably what would lean people pleaser, telling people exactly what they wanted to hear, whether I really felt that way or not. So now add that on top of this distrust and this uh, dysfunction around women. Add on to that a tenuous uh, relationship with kindness, being trying to be so kind that I would be dishonest so that I did not have a great relationship with honesty. Now you take all of those together, and now you're in a marriage, and after several years marrying a younger woman, uh, trying to be, and this goes to uh, emotional management and emotional authenticity and emotional integrity, um, I didn't have that either. So here I am excessively kind, childhood traumas, uh, dysfunction around uh, dishonesty and an inability to manage my emotions and be aware of asking what I need. So I was the husband, the mentor, the parent, the everything and didn't know how to communicate or ask for what I wanted. Now put all of that together and the expedient way to do things is to find another emotional outlet where I feel like things are easier and of course it's always easier when you first meet someone else. It is great escapism and in a sense that's the other thing about a lot of people who are betraying especially men and especially in my case we compartmentalize things a lot so to me it was the mindset of no harm no foul I love my wife this doesn't have anything to do with her Um, she's not doing anything wrong she's not being any particular way but my own dysfunctions my own inability to manage my emotional resources, my own dysfunctions about uh, integrity around kindness and honesty all led to me uh, betraying my wife and uh, not wanting to tell her and to keep that uh, to myself. And I honestly felt for a long time like it was no big deal. That it would uh, run its course as long as you know Jill never knew it would all be fine and I was getting something uh, for myself that I couldn't get within the relationship. Now, we know how dysfunctional that mindset is, but that is the reasons now in hindsight. Um, And it took a lot of sort of uh, understanding and feeling the effects. By the way, what's so embarrassing about my case is that I didn't wake up to any of this until I got betrayed. This is what This is actually the biggest thing that made me feel shame because I do think we have to hit rock bottom before we really start to look at ourselves. I, as embarrassing as this is and as cowardly as it is, I can honestly say, I don't know that if I hadn't been betrayed by this other woman at the same time, that I would have woken up to the pain that I was causing my wife or the dysfunction or lie that I was living. And so I then came clean at that point. And that created a, a whole host of agonizing years of trying to get on and get over. And luckily for me and my ex, we, uh, are, we patched things up in terms of we're no longer together, but we're still incredibly good friends. And I learned uh, the lessons. And I can honestly say, and I think most people who know me now, is that's not something I could even fathom ever doing. I don't even know who that guy was. But it took me hitting rock bottom before I could uh, get to the point where I rewrote my honor code, started to even pay attention to the idea of an honor code and to begin to move, move on. So I don't know if that answers the question fully or um, if there's anything you specifically want to ask about, but I did have deep regret, deep embarrassment, and I, I'll just say this as a final to this story, I think the thing that finally woke me up and the thing that um, would make it so that I would never want to do this kind of thing ever again was just that I was, uh, saw myself as a coward, saw myself as uh, somebody who, um, like I had I always fashioned myself as someone who would take care of the people I loved, show up honesty, uh, with honesty and loyalty. And the fact that I failed so miserably and could look in the mirror and go, I do not like the human that I am, is what woke me up to remaking uh, myself. And that was not an easy thing to do. But I'll see where you wanna go with this next, because obviously I wanna hear sort of your story from the other side, but I'm hoping that gives somewhat of a satisfactory answer to why I did this and why I think you know, a lot of people uh, make these kinds of uh, what I would what I consider now a very wrong decision for everybody most importantly the person who's doing the betraying it's it's it is a violation uh, in a sense it's not to me the deepest sin of this and and I don't use the word sin religiously because I'm not a religious person but the deepest part of this is not what you did to the other person it's actually what you did to yourself I do think it is an assault on the soul to go against your word, and to manipulate the reality of another human. To me, there's no more dysfunctional uh, you know, thing that you can do than to voluntarily manipulate the reality of another human for your own gain. Mm. That, to me, is the worst thing you can possibly do to another human being. Coming to terms with that meant I had to come to terms with all these dysfunctions.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Mm. Yeah. And that, that speaks to you and I were talking about this just before we got on about gaslighting and how damaging gaslighting can be. And the fact that all of this ultimately the worst part is the self is essentially the self betrayal. It's, it's that you no longer can look yourself in the mirror. Mm. And I've had that conversation with other people who have been in that situation. I think that another part of it too is looking at the side of things where, you felt like a coward you felt all of that all of that shame and everything else how did you move past that because i've realized that i actually don't seem to talk a huge amount about like the very specific things that i did to get over my experience and we definitely don't seem to hear about again about the other side of it like how do you begin to move past that what were some of the things that That you did. I know you also mentioned honor code and we're going to do another episode talking about an honor code within the Mm. relationship as well as individual ones as well. But what else did you did you do to sort of move past that?
1: Well, the the initial thing was I told myself I was going to show up honestly and lovingly for um, my wife because we didn't split up right away. And even the person who I had the affair with who went off with some other person. I basically told myself, and, and the reason why I'm going to share this is because in this process, it's not easy, but I told myself, I'm going to show up lovingly and kind and generous um, in these ways. And I added on to that honesty. However, um, honesty was still a new thing for me. And so you have to understand that for me, um, It was difficult. Like, I didn't know how hard being honest was going to be. And for those of you who don't, we all have the things we deal with. Some people deal with honesty. Some people don't, right? Like, I'm fully aware that some people go, I don't know what you're talking about. I've always had a good relationship. Like, I know one of my closest friends, by the way, is one of the most honest people I know. He's also one of the rudest people i know right so like he his thing wasn't honesty his thing was kindness he needed to deal with kindness but i i began to just first commit that i wanted to be to just show up with love with forgiveness uh for these other people now this was a disaster uh initially because what it meant is that this other person uh this other woman i was involved with took uh took a lot of advantage of me and my kindness, um, treated me pretty poorly. It also meant that telling uh, my wife the truth was deeply distressing and hurtful to her. And through that process, I started to learn boundaries uh, and standards for the woman that I had had the affair with. And I started to learn some of the nuances about being uh, honest, uh, 100% honest, without cruelty, meaning that you could be honest without giving all the information and not overtly trying to hurt someone. And then the final thing was that I came up with this idea, and I don't know how it came to me. I've done a million self-help, self-development seminars and had done couples counseling even before any of this happened, which is, uh, which is actually really interesting for everyone listening. Now imagine that. Here's a guy that, by, that wasn't an unaware guy. I had done all these, all these coaching things. I had been a couples counselor and had done counseling, um, I had all the tools and still made this mistake. And you might say, well, why? Well, it's not the tools. It's your, this is what I came to understand. It's your internal uh, conviction and, um, uh, you know, sort of intention for self. And so what I saw very clearly is that I did not, I came up with this idea of what I called the honor code, and I still call it that, where I was basically like, it's not enough to you know just say I'm gonna do these things like what actually matters to me and I did sit down you know over a course of a very difficult couple of weeks I remember and actually said who is it that I want to be how can I learn from this um, you know it's interesting research shows that really the, the the three things that you really want for success that you really need for success is one how you what you believe about yourself two, what other people believe about you, and three, taking stress and the bad things in life and turning them into lessons. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, a lot of people are hating me right now, a lot of people, but I do believe I'm a good person. I do believe, uh, and then I said, I can use this to be even better. And so from there, I came up with this honor code and created a way of behaving, almost like a 10 commandments for Jade. And honesty was at the top of it. And at that point, that was just the beginning. Now I had to go and live this. And that wasn't that easy because we don't the things that like, you know, like my friend that I told you is very honest, but he's not the warmest human on the planet. Um, It's hard to be warm. It's hard to be kind. It's hard for him because he doesn't know what that's like. His whole uh, childhood upbringing was all about, you know, people putting each other down and family, you know, uh, dysfunction and competition and all this and that. And so the honesty piece was really tough and holding the boundaries and the standards were really tough. But eventually I was just like, I refuse to be someone I don't respect and admire. I want to be proud of myself again. And so I constructed an orientation for myself that by the time I was reaching my deathbed, if it was 10 years from now or 15 years or whenever it was, that I could say I am proud of who I have been. And that began to restructure anything. And isn't that the whole point of pain in the first place? Like, I I don't know where I heard this. I don't think it's mine. It's something you all are probably familiar with, but maybe I'm just phrasing it in a way that's unique. Pain, to me, became my path to purpose. I basically said, I want to teach uh, these things um, to others. And the final thing I'll say here, what's interesting about this, people see me as a metabolism guy, you know, health and fitness guy. The thing that I've been studying, actually, the most since I was young was human dynamics and human relationships. Since the time I was a little kid, paying attention to my family dynamics, uh, helping kids even in elementary school. I remember sitting at the lunch table and this kid was crying and I went and put my arm around him and like talked to him about his family life. Even back then, I, I, I was studying all this stuff from the beginning. So what really pushed me to is it was this idea of like this life event made me go, oh, wow, this is actually might be one of the reasons I'm here on the planet in the first place. I've been teaching and living this stuff for a long time, and this is the catalyst I needed to uh, teach this to other people. And I think that is ultimately how you get over it. You get over it by essentially saying, how can I use this to grow myself and better the world, which to me is the definition of a next level human.
0: And sometimes I think that we have to find ways to believe in ourselves, even if other people won't, because we won't always, there, there are people out there who don't have a support system, who don't have people who believe in them. And there can be moments of time in all of our lives where we don't have somebody who is a phone call away, or maybe we've fucked up so much that the, even the people who love us most might still tell us that they love us, but they're not happy with us. And that's when we are going to have to find that belief within, in order to alchemize the pain and to turn it into something else. And that's hard to do. That's really hard to do sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think it's extremely hard to do. Um, I would like to know from you, you know, how, how it happens on the other side. Like, how did you, uh, how'd you get over? Cause it's really interesting, right? Like part of, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, but part of, um, what I felt uh, kind of on the other side is some some equally uh, disturbing kinds of things where I felt like I was not good enough. I was not worthy. Obviously, why isn't this you know, person uh, choosing me? I think it really helped me in the end, though, because I, when I went back and looked, you know, is Jill unworthy? Did I think badly of her? Did I you know this is Jill's my wife, for those who don't know my ex-wife. Um, and I was like, no, actually not. And that helped me. But I'd be curious for you, like how you processed all that. Because um, being having your reality manipulated by another human, I think is one of the most traumatic uh, things that we humans can go through. We think one thing and we're planning our life according to that belief. And then we find out that the person that we've been building our life around and and, uh, orienting towards is actually not at all the person we thought and has a whole other thing sort of going on. And then all of a sudden we wake up and say, wow, I have been integrating this other person in everything that I do, in every story I tell about my future. And now I see that every single bit of that is false. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and I do think that's really interesting that you had both experiences. And that when, when you said that you experienced the pain of of the betrayal, that then it put everything else sort of into perspective for you. Because I think that something that's very common from people I talk to who have been betrayed is wanting, wanting to inflict the same level of pain, not even necessarily in the same way, but just to, to even open some sort of doorway for the, the person who betrayed them to experience the same level of pain that they have caused. And to turn that around in sort of a revenge type of fashion so that they can experience it too because I I do I I haven't uh, been in the position of betrayer at least not in in this type of sense but I can only imagine that it's so different when you have that actual experience and in my case you know one of one of the things that I said to myself very very early on was that I was not going to allow that experience to destroy my ability to trust other people because I am a trusting person by nature. Some people are more trusting than others, just sort of naturally built into their personality. I am a trusting person by nature and I really like that part of myself and I didn't want to lose that and to become someone who was cynical and bitter and distrusting of everyone that I met. And I, I talk to, to people about this. I'm like, take that, that trusting part of your heart and protect it with like your life depends on it. Because do not, do not lose that. You, you are gaining wisdom from this experience. You are gaining the gift of discernment. And those are beautiful tools to have in your toolbox when it comes to your relationship with trust. But do not lose your ability to trust. I think that's so important and it is so easy to fall into the trap of throwing your hands up in the air and saying, I'm never going to trust anyone ever again. Mm. And I don't want that for anyone because that does not lead to a beautiful life. That does not lead to a beautiful life. And it takes away all of your, your own sense of power. And I think the biggest part when you're, when your reality has been manipulated is that you have to learn to start to trust yourself because anyone I know who has, been cheated on myself included will people the first question people always ask me is they're like well did you were there signs did you know i'm like well of course there are now looking back (laughs) but when you're in it it's very easy to logic it away Mm -hmm. and oh there's no way that he would have time for that or he has this going on or "I, i i we were talking about this just beforehand that when i hear people say that their partner would never cheat on them I hear a degree of arrogance because we also don't know if we would ever cheat on someone or not Too, we can have sort of probability conversations like, no, I don't think that I would, but there can be instances arise and certain circumstances and and all of those things that can create a situation that you never dreamed that you would end up in. Mm. So I think that being wise to the fact that life can take unexpected turns, you have to be able to trust that you can figure it out and that you can be the, the, the stability, the anchor for yourself, even if everything else around you is going wrong and that can happen in really small ways that can happen in, um, just moments like, like keeping promises to yourself, like building something like an honor code and, uh, deciding making a decision that you are going to have a relationship with, with honesty in a whole new way. Like you did Jade. Um, that, that's going to look different for everyone, but if you're going to decide that you're going to do something, follow through. It doesn't mean that you're going to get it right every single day, but if you can teach yourself that you have chosen something to work towards and you are taking active steps to move towards it, you will start to teach yourself, including your own body to trust you again. Mm. And then to tune into, your intuition a little bit more and you and I have been having a lot of conversations about intuition. So we can talk about that too, in mm. relation to this too, actually, in terms of like logic, feelings, intuition and, and how that sort of melds in the middle. Cause mm. this is a big part of, of the betrayal conversation too. People can be like, Oh, I was sure that there was something going on, but I, I brushed it aside or something like that.
1: Yeah. I, I love this. And I, I would say, I, I'll point out a couple things here. It's, it's interesting to me that whether, um, you're doing the betraying, or you are the you know uh, you have been betrayed. If you listen to, uh, I got lessons from both sides of that, and then listening to you, you got very specific lessons there. To me, the only thing we can do with heartache, pain, betrayal, dysfunction, bad things that happen to us, there's only there's only one thing we can do with that. We we have to look for the lessons, mm-hmm. and I. Uh, I orient towards that way of looking at things. I go. Step one is simply find the lessons. I don't know for sure, but I guarantee that anyone who has been betrayed or or has been has uh, done the betraying. If you look, you heard me say it, and um, you know you heard uh, you know Emily say it as well. There are certain aspects of ourselves that those things brought to the forefront to work on. Certain weaknesses, certain things that we, you know, just uh, whether it's the fact that, you know, we're overly relying on other people for our emotional support system and we need to learn uh, self-support or whether it's because we have a dysfunctional relationship with honesty or whatever it is. The first thing I think that you do is the only thing you can do, uh, the only right move is to look at what you can take from it. I think as soon as you start blaming, complaining, whimpering and whining, uh, playing the victim role, which by the way, yes, I agree. You have every right to play that. And I do think you should feel that for a little while. And I do think there is absolutely a place for sadness and anger and all that. But I also think you quickly have to move past To get to the lessons, I oftentimes use this, I'll just do it real quick. Uh, I know Emily has heard this, but I'll do it for those of you listening because I think it's important for the rest of the discussion. The way I like to describe it is if Emily and I were in the kitchen cutting vegetables and the knife slipped and cut Emily's thumb, if she had a physical wound like that, she's not gonna stick her thumb in my face and start screaming, ow, expecting me to cover it, right? She's gonna cover it herself. She's also not just going to stare at her thumb and just cry and sit there watching herself bleed. She's going to cover her thumb. She's also not going to stick it behind her back and pretend like that wound didn't happen. She's going to tend to it. And so the tending to it part, the paying attention to it part, the part where you're looking at your thumb and inspecting it and seeing how deep the wound goes and whether you need stitches or, and to wash it and to put a Band-Aid on it, this is the part of feeling. You do have to feel, and I do think you have to be in feeling integrity. If anger is appropriate, you need to express anger in the healthiest way possible. If sadness is appropriate, you need to express sadness in the the best way possible. But then you have to, just like we would with a physical wound, we have to then take the lessons. Next time we're in the kitchen cutting vegetables, Emily's going to be a little bit more careful. She's going to Watch her technique a little more. Maybe she's even going to go learn how to cut vegetables, you know, by watching a YouTube video or something. This to me is how we have to handle these emotional wounds. We have to look for the lessons. Otherwise, we just keep cutting our thumb. And then the final sort of piece to this is even if we're cutting vegetables and I'm the one who reaches over while Emily is cutting vegetables and I slice her finger, she is still the one that has to cover it, tend to it. And fix it. Because if she sticks her finger in my face or sits there and whimpers and whines or hides it behind her back, she's left with the same problem. And this is why it is asinine, ridiculous, stupid. I can't think I need to use all I'm trying to use all the best, harshest language I can to continue to blame, complain, whimper and whine. You do not do that. Whether you're the betrayed or the one betraying, you fix it. You tend to it, you feel it, you create something good and beneficial out of it. It's the only way that it works.
0: And further to that point, actually, you know, I, I've talked before about the fact that we always want, if, if we always want the person who hurt us to be the one to fix it. We kind of do, we're like, okay, if we'll go through the conversations in our head. If they just said this to me, if they apologized, if, if, they, if they made it up to me in this way. And I had a very unique experience because uh, my former partner and I, he and I were working together on our house for six months after we broke up. And I heard all the things you want to hear. I heard the apologies. I, I got the tears. I got the, um, the asking for forgiveness. I got the, not, not because he was trying to get me back, but because he recognized that he had caused me deep pain. And I felt nothing. I felt nothing because I was not ready to release the hurt i was not i was pulling lessons from it uh relatively early on actually but i was not ready to forgive him i was not ready to move on yet because i had to grant that to myself he could not give that to me so i had all the conversations that you you want to have at three o'clock in the morning when you're lying awake thinking about these things and it didn't change anything it still had to come from within the healing still had to come from within me he could not gift that to me now if you're staying in the relationship and and there's i also tell people you know there's no rush to make a decision about whether to stay or go either because esther perel talks about this how there used to be shame in staying and sorry there used to be shame in in leaving and now there's shame in staying Mm. i think that every couple is unique i think that every individual is unique in that sense that whatever is the best choice for you is the best choice for you. The best choice for me was to leave. But if you are staying in the relationship, then yeah, you're probably going to have to have even more hard conversations in order to move through it. And that's a, a whole different part of the conversation because then that also starts to get into some of the things about honesty, like, um, giving every little detail that may actually cut the wound open deeper. So things like, uh, how, how did they like it? Or where did you do it? Or all of those questions where you're getting into the very intimate, dirty details. We think that we want those details. They usually just create more of, uh, a rich imaginative reality that you don't necessarily want. Mm -hmm. And that can actually just make things a lot harder to move on. Everyone's different, there are some people who might say insist, like no, I, I need every detail. Maybe you do, I would argue for most people you might think that you do, you probably actually don't mm-hmm. in reality.
1: Yeah, I, I would say this is an important one actually as I you know, um, was getting my masters in, in honesty, <laughs> which my ex Jill, we stayed together for a long time and I think partly the reason we split, at, by the time we split wasn't necessarily because of the affair at that point. Um, we just recognized we had grown, grown in different ways. But one of the things that I realized is that you can be honest without being cruel. And I started to just say to her that um, that's not something I'm going to share because it's not necessary for you to know the truth of the situation. And that was, uh, those were very difficult uh, conversations because I started out being honest about everything. And finally, I was just like, that and it it was stuff like well where was it was sex better with her like what just questions that are like uh, kind of irrelevant you know they and they really are irrelevant over the long run although people think they're relevant in the short run yeah. I started to get a very consistent answer to that where it's just like um, uh, I will not share those kinds of things I, I will share the things that will help you get the lessons I will not share the things that will uh, cause you more pain, and people will wound shop like crazy around this stuff, and it's important to uh, be, uh, you know, very discerning with here. And I, and I actually have um, an acronym I use for this actually, I call it the TRUE acronym, it's like, you know, um, T-R-U-E, so it basically goes like this, this is, this is how I started to orient towards honesty, TRUE is basically like, the first T is, do I know the whole truth, like, is it something that I know 100%, Well, obviously, I was involved with it, so I know 100% what I was or was not doing with this woman. So that part is good. Then the next one is responsibility. Is it my responsibility to tell? Well, in this case, absolutely it was because I was the one who perpetrated the insult, in a sense. The next part is, is the information I'm sharing useful? This is the you. Is it useful? Meaning, is it helpful or hurtful? This was the part where I found there are certain things that are not going to be useful. And these were detail-oriented things around the sexual connection. That's not helpful. We already know what I did. We already know the things that, you know, the, the general idea of it. I don't have to get in details about what exactly we were doing and where exactly we were doing it. And then finally, the final E is entire, right? So it basically means, do I have to tell the entire truth? Basically the intention is simply give the person all the information they need so they have a correct read on reality. You do not have to add anything extra after that. Just give them the read on reality. In fact, I'll tell you uh, shortly after this my my wife couple couple years after would always ask me, "Are you still in love with this woman?" right? And in that case, I had to answer, right? Is it is it true? Do I know the truth? Yes, I do. Is it my responsibility? Yes, I do. Is it useful? Yes, it is, and do I need to tell the entire truth? Yes, I do, otherwise I'm manipulating her reality. So I had to answer yes, despite the fact that I did not want to. Mm-hmm. But when she asked things like, you know, you know, who was better and better, do you miss having sex with this person or this and that, I didn't have to answer that because it wasn't useful to correcting her reality. I was no longer manipulating her reality. So I would just say things like, I know you want the answer to that question. I don't want to answer it because I don't think it's useful. You have the reality. You have all the information you need to know from me to make a decision about what you want to do. And I think it's very important that we begin to orient uh, in this way and all, uh, both sides, because I also know that I was doing a lot of what Jill was doing with me and asking a lot of the questions to... The other woman that I was dealing with, so you can see I was on both sides of this, which gave me a unique perspective on what kind, of, what was necessary and what wasn't uh, necessary. The reason I am uh, Jill and I are friends because I stopped manipulating her reality. Not only that, we're the closest of friends because both of us stopped doing that. The reason I want nothing to do with and am not friends with the other woman is because she continued to manipulate my reality uh, to the point where. Um, it became uh, dysfunctional uh, and uh, disgusting, in a sense, uh, for me. And so this, to me, is hugely important. I will say one other thing here, by the way, because when we talk about honesty, to me, if someone is uh, distrusting, it means one of two things. It means, one, they were either lied to a bunch and haven't gotten over it, or two, they are a liar themselves. And I do think that, take it from someone who was this, I do think this is important for you to pay attention to. The most honest people are usually the most trusting people. The people who have dealt with their wounds are usually the most trusting people. The people who have baggage will distrust because they're still content on whimpering and whining, blaming and complaining. And people who lie think everyone else lies. Mm -hmm. So they will distrust like crazy. I just think that's we should all keep that in mind when we're debriefing from betrayal.
0: I'm glad that you brought that up because I was going to bring that up as well, because, uh, just to again, give, give a real life example. My one of the many conversations that my ex and I had after we had broken up, he looked at me and he said, how will I ever trust anyone again? And when I tell people that their jaws dropped, they're like, what do you mean he was asking you that? I'm like, because that was where I learned exactly what you just said, Jade. I saw that so crystal clear. When he said that to me, I thought, Oh my God, you lie to everyone. Therefore you have seen the underbelly and you then assume that everyone else is lying to you. Yeah, And that was exactly how I learned that lesson. Mm-hmm. And, and I pay very close attention to that. And people now I'm like, do they have a trusting relationship with people that they come in contact with or not? And if they don't, I pay very close attention to why mm-hmm. I start to really examine like what, what their dynamic is, what their relationships look like and how they're showing up and what their relationship is to honesty, because then they, if they don't have a good relationship with honesty, that typically translates into distrust. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is I love that that you mentioned your, your true framework, because one of the things that I want to challenge you on a little bit is I think there would still be people who would say, who are you to determine which information is useful or not? Mm -hmm. And that shouldn't that be up to the person who is seeking the truth? Mm. So, what would you respond to that?
1: I would say absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get, I get that we want to include. Th- this is what we want to do. We want very much to make it like it's one person. Yeah, it's not. Never is. So, and by the way, you don't have to agree with me here. Emily may not. But my whole thing is that this, it, th- this discussion we're having is. As much as we wanna make it about two people, it is not. Mm-hmm. It is about you and you alone and your lessons. And so for me, no, you do not get to say um, what I find useful or not. Um, my thing is, is do you uh, understand the reality, have all the information that you need to make the decision, that's how I decide. I'll give you an example about this, uh, by the way. So. Um, Let's. Here's here's one of the things. Uh, I remember uh, having this conversation, where uh, I was dating a woman. We weren't yet together, and there was um, another woman sort of in the picture. This is after uh, my marriage, and she asked me outright. She goes, um, "You know, are you sleeping with this other woman, right?" And uh, we had already established sort of in the beginning, because from my perspective, I had, I've never been in a relationship since then where I just don't say until we are together, together, and we both decide you should assume that I will be with other people. And I will assume that you will, and we should tell each other and we should be safe. Now, to me, one of the conversations that came out of that, I was just like, well, what would you tell me if I asked you if you were sleeping with someone and you actually were what would you say and she goes well i don't know i guess i would just come out and kind of tell you uh directly you know that i was sleeping with this person and for me i would say to me all you really need to say is i would and i want to sleep with this person right because whether you did or not okay does not matter the fact that you would and you want to, and you're thinking about it, is all that is required to set the, uh, the reality correct in this other person's head. Now, so whether you are or not, which to me, I think that is the dysfunctional part, but to me, if someone asks you that, you should answer and be careful with your language. I would and I want to. That's the same as saying you did in a sense, and that's what she said to me, and I'm like, well, I actually didn't, but I would and I want to. Right. So what that then does is that gives you all the useful information you want, without any undue, uh, you know, sort of manipulation. And to me, that's on me to come to that conclusion. And by the way, uh, as we have more interactions as an individual, you you decide whether that was a useful way to handle that or not. But that's essentially what i have decided that i would do with people when i'm dating right so when you're dating you're usually with other people you should establish that up front and then if i'm asked a direct question about did you sleep with the person the way i would probably answer that always is i would and i want to because that establishes the 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 fact that i'm not manipulating you you have all the information you need to make whether you want to continue dating and i don't have to give you any undue information about uh that may hurt you. Now, I know that a lot of people will listen to this and it, what I just said, and they will not like that whatsoever. And ultimately, I could be wrong about this, by the way. Um, we, We could, but it only matters for me. My barometer of usefulness comes down to, am I manipulating your reality or not? Do you know everything that's in my head to help you make a decision that's good for your life or not? I don't have to or owe you any other information. I only owe you the reality that you need to make a decision for yourself. And I stick by that. Um, That's how I live my, my life. Now, of course, maybe in a year from now, two years from now, something will have happened, we'll have another conversation where I will amend that. But to me, that's what I think we should all be moving towards. Do not manipulate ever anyone else's reality and if possible, don't cause cruelty, but always default to honesty, being kinder than kindness.
0: I, I agree with, with all that part, but I do think that in that specific example, I would definitely want to know if the answer was yes or no.
1: Mm, sure. you Because would. it
0: would be actually, because to me, that is the reality. Mm. Like if, if somebody tells me that they would, and that they want to, I would not personally mm. think that to mean that they had, mm. If they had, I would expect them to say that they had, mm. if they were being honest with me.
1: Yeah, and here's another way to deal with that. Uh, you could literally say, um, you should assume I have, right? Okay. Because because that's, that's another way to handle it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you should assume that I have slept with this person. And it's interesting because when I, you know, with this particular person I'm thinking about and this particular story and relations uh, going forward, I usually have this conversation right off the bat that you should assume until we have a different conversation because I'm certainly going to assume you're sleeping with other people Um, you should just assume that until we have a different conversation my point in bringing that up is that this idea in my mind and this is something that in this conversation we can all just decide to making Emily feel a little uncomfortable now it's probably making a lot of you feel a little uncomfortable and that's fine it's the whole point of these discussions my whole thing is this Consider the fact, whether it makes you uncomfortable or not, that this is about you, not two people. You don't get like each of us have to. And by the way, this might be the vetting thing that makes you go. I would never want to date Jade because that's the way he shows up. But for me, I go, I am 100 percent sure and certain that this is how I show up. These are the ways I would answer these questions. I've thought about it. I've settled on it. This is not that I can't change my mind, but this is the way I would show up. Um, if we were dating or if I was dating anybody, right? And so, by the way, then that tells you, the other person go, oh, I either like that or I don't like that and I'll either be involved with this human or I won't be involved with this human. For me, this to me is how I've integrated honesty without being cruel and also setting, uh, choosing my words very carefully um, around this. And by the way, um, I would do this regardless because it's a vetting strategy for me. So whether or not I've slept with anyone else or not, I would uh, probably still answer that the same way because I would want to see, does this person uh, understand where I'm coming from and vibe with me in this or not? Because uh, to me, it says something about the way they have thought about and come at honesty.
0: Well, the the fact that you, that you were establishing though, up front that, that, uh, there was no exclusivity, like that it, there was very open, honest communication about the fact that there was no ex- exclusivity, then yes, you're absolutely right. That then you should assume that both parties are potentially sleeping with other people. So that part I totally get. And for the mm-hmm. record, you are, I would say, I think one of the most honest people that I know. So we'll put that on on the recording just Well, for, you know, you <laughs>
1: The interesting thing about that, you've said that to me before and thank you. That's so sweet. <laughs> it's bizarre to hear. I've had other friends say that to me in year, in the last 5, you know, to 8 years. And it's kind of bizarre. And you know what's funny about that? I actually feel I'm one of the most honest people I know as well. Mm-hmm. And I love that because that means that you can definitely heal from this. Uh, I'm also one of the most trusting people, which means you can heal from this. Part of the reason I'm so trusting now is that I'm so honest now. Mm -hmm. My whole thing is uh, just never, my rule to myself, never, ever manipulate someone else's reality for your own gain. This, to me, is critical. And most people are doing this all the time even outside of romance, they're doing it all the time,
0: even to ourselves, even to ourselves. We often will gaslight ourselves into believing that we are someone or something that we aren't, that, that our, our words are not matching our actions. Because I always look for that in other people, but ultimately that has to start with me. Mm -hmm. I can't be looking outside of myself to everyone expecting all of their words to match their actions and then kicking them out of my life basically if if it's not. If I am not showing up that way too, Mm -hmm. both for other people and for myself. You always have to measure up to your own standards.
1: Yeah, One of the things I'll say here too, by the way, for all of us, and I'd be interested to see what you think, Emily, and see what everyone listening thinks, to me, it's like you can tell someone who is likely to cheat, I think. Um, tell
0: us more. <laughs> well, and I, I could, agree with you. But I, I could be more. wrong about this,
1: but here's some of the telltale signs. Um, they're unable to have difficult conversations. They do. They, they people please. They don't tell you, um, you know, there there are no arguments. There's never anything wrong. Everything's always good. They're not very good at communicating in general. And they're people pleasers. And they're, these are the kind of people. uh, And yes, the other stuff too. Mm -hmm. But I was not a selfish person. I was a selfless person in every other way. So this idea that you could spot somebody as being selfish, oh, they're likely to cheat. Actually, the people who I think are likely to cheat or, or, or someone that you need to look out for are people who have, have an inability to talk about their feelings with you, to talk about difficult stuff. The, the authentic communication and honesty solves a lot of these issues. And by the way, let's just say this flat out, and this is going to make everyone mad at me. And, you know, I don't really care because I think it's super important to say To me, I would never cheat again, but that doesn't mean you should like me, because guess what I would do? If I met another woman and I was with a woman, and I met another woman I was crazy mad about and wanted to see about, I would never cheat in a million years. And probably before the other woman even knew, I would go home to the woman I'm seeing and say, we need to talk, I've become attracted and interested sexually in someone else, and you need to know this. Probably before I would even tell the other woman that I was uh, attracted. And part of the reason why is this goes to not ever wanting to betray, because I also see that as a sense of betrayal. If I tell another woman something that I won't even Mm -hmm. tell the person that I'm engaged with, that is a deep lie for me. And so while you may not like the idea that I could just immediately go, oh, I'm interested in uh, this this other person and go home and tell my significant other that this relationship is over, that's that's the whole point. People don't like the idea of that. They have this very wrong belief that, oh, if we sleep together, say we're going to be together, that we're somehow going to be together forever. That is not the way life works, period. And so I am fully capable of becoming attracted to and interested in another woman. Uh, And if it got to the point where I was like, I really need to go in this direction, I would be telling my current lover before the other person probably even knew. And the reason why is I would take that as a sign that something is missing here and or I'm not growing here or whatever. It would take a very a series of conversations with my significant other. Um, and uh, it would be very important for me to do that. So I think that's important because I also think that makes people upset. That whole idea makes people upset. And I just go, sorry, but this is literally the way it works. And, and if you're not, and if that's gonna make you upset, then guess what? Your, your person you're with is probably going to know that. And they may just keep it from you from keeping you from getting upset. Now, of course, it's going to be upsetting anyway. And you're a coward if you avoid upsetting conversations. But my point is none of this protects you from someone going in another direction.
0: And, and that's, I think the biggest key that we, we really need to hammer home is that there's, there's nothing that will, there's no armor that you can put on to prevent pain.
1: Absolutely. Especially
0: in relationships. You can learn, you can grow, you can take the pain, you can do things with it. You can learn discernment, all these amazing tools. You can heal from it, all these things, but it still doesn't mean that you are going to be insulated from pain in the future. Mm -hmm. It might mean that the pain appears in different ways, but, and that you will be better equipped to handle it. But I always go back to the conversation about what is it that you want? Because if you want relationships, if you want beautiful romantic relationships, they are available to you. You just might have to adjust your vision as to this Disney perfection that we have been handed and understand that it might look a little bit different. Even Jaden, the example that you're giving, maybe that conversation would end up turning with, with your current partner if you expressed interest in somebody else maybe that conversation would end up bringing you even closer to your existing partner Absolutely. and turn into something beautiful because I, I don't want anybody to hear that and then immediately think, oh, well, Jay's just going to, you know, like if, if this happened in real life or with Jade or whatever, then they're just going to drop me like a hot potato and mm-hmm. all of the time and investment. That's not necessarily the case at all. That's just a a sign, an indication of the degree of honesty that you can bring into the conversation because I think that too many people wander around life pretending that no one is ever going to have a physical attraction to anyone else in their entire life. As long as they are committed to one person, Mm -hmm. we all, there's been research done about this, that frankly, women actually fantasize more about other men than men even do about other women. And it's, it's part of our human biology it doesn't mean that every person is going to cheat and it doesn't mean that your relationship is doomed to fall apart Mm -hmm. either. It's just simply a dose of science and a dose of reality that can still turn into something beautiful to create a stronger bond in that existing relationship.
1: Yeah. And I think an honor code, honesty, boundaries, standards, make this so much easier. And I will say this, uh, any anybody like if i'm in a relationship with a woman for five years okay and and i meet some new interesting woman that's that's a ridiculous thing like there's no way i'm gonna leave i'm gonna just bolt from a five-year relationship with all that history and all that uh loving growth and all of that just because i found i find somebody uh Attractive, uh, this shiny new object. Mm -hmm. Those kind of people, like if that's the case, and by the way, those people do exist, that is a very immature person. That is a person who, you know, has uh, other dysfunctions, worthiness issues, and other things that they just need to have that. And hopefully, uh, by getting the lessons that you learn through betrayal, you'll be able to spot those types. Now, again, no judgment on those types, but if you're someone who is like, I don't love the idea of someone just five years, 10 years, just bolting because there's new, some new cute person that came into their lives. That's not what I'm actually saying here. That's actually a different conversation. And that particular conversation comes down to uh, maturity in relationships. But here's ultimately what I'll say about that. If you want those long-term relationships to work, you better be as committed to your own personal growth, and stability as you are to the growth of the, per, of the other person. To me, there's those three entities inside every relationship. There's you, there's me, and then there's what I call you me in the middle. You know, you slash me, I just call it you me. What most people do in relationships, and the reason their relationships blow up, is they put all their energy into you me. And they, ha- they never realize that you me gets its power from you being you and me being me. The last thing you want to do in these long-term relationships, and I would say the thing that could actually lead to someone going somewhere else and wanting to go somewhere else is this enmeshment, because invariably, when you become enmeshed, one person is, uh, you know, holding the, the stability for the other person almost invariably in those kind of relationships. And it's not sustainable. You cannot live a life of you, me, without attending to you and me separately. And this is a whole other conversation, but it's a big problem. But I will say that, yes, there's no question about one of the most amazing, beautiful things. And I know you love this, and I do too, is a long-term, committed, monogamous, growth-oriented relationship where you get deep connection and friendship with another human. It's beautiful. I miss it. Who wouldn't want that? And anyone is crazy Uh, having been someone who betrayed and blew up something like that You're crazy to take that lightly. It's one of the most beautiful, powerful things on the planet. And I'm someone who, you know, a lot of people would be surprised to hear me say that because I'm also someone who is very realistic about relationships now where I just go, never, ever should you sacrifice yourself for someone else, even inside of romantic relationships. It's the airplane oxygen mask we all use as you know, an example, you put your mask on first so that you can be there for your partner, not the other way around.
0: There's that saying about, you know, I, I want you to be your, in in relationship. So Jade, if you and I are in a relationship, I want you to be your biggest priority. And then I want me to be your second priority, essentially. Yeah. And, and I think that, that that's where it has to go because especially with the, when you were talking about the indications of people who will cheat, like the people pleasing, the, all of those things. I saw every single one of those those signs, Mm. and and that's that. I think that's exactly true. There's a lot of uh, inherent dishonesty in things like like people pleasing, Mm. and it puts everyone else above yourself and your own needs, and that is a massive betrayal in and of itself that we have to come to terms with if we're going to be able to move on.
1: Yeah, and I would say for me, I I love that thought. I don't, um, it, it doesn't sit exactly right with me. I would say my first. Uh, priority be my purpose my second priority be Jade um, my third priority be all my loved ones including my significant yeah. other I was speaking
0: um, very generally but yes yeah yeah but I, I, know, I agree but, I,
1: but it, what it brought up for me when you said it, I think it's very important It just brought up to the fact that I think that's an important orientation for all of us who are involved in this conversation right now to, to go towards where do you put your uh, significant other uh, and I would even say this with children you know, it's mm-hmm. like you cannot 100% be there for your children either if you don't put your purpose first, yourself second, and your children next. That's how come I said all my loving relationships, including my um, significant other. Although this may make some people mad, but I would say this. If I was did have a significant other and kids, my order would be my purpose, then me, then my lover, then my children. I and the reason say why <laughs> is because I feel like without me putting my lover above my children, the children suffer far more than if I put them first. And this to me is something that uh, I think we have to think about.
0: I was going to say exactly that, that I've talked to all kinds of parents who have said that some who are still with their partners, some who are divorced, who have uh, looked back on their previous relationship, that they had children with their partners. That I wish that I had put more into the relationship with my spouse or my partner before always putting the kids first mm-hmm. because the best thing for the kids would have, uh, been a really healthy, happy dynamic as opposed to going through the pain of a divorce. Now I'm also, I'm also very much of the thought that and I feel like this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but I, I do want to say that sometimes divorce is the right choice mm-hmm. and whether there's kids or no kids that sometimes that's best for the kids and for every involved party too. So again, it looks different in every conversation, but
1: from my perspective, and again, I know this is going to be, you know, maybe controversial, but I think some of the most successful relationships you can have are the ones that end. Mm -hmm. Jill said to me shortly after, uh, you know, well, it's funny, Jill and I were stayed together for, I don't know, two and a half years or so. We were separated. We just put the divorce off because we weren't And she started dating someone else. And I was like, well, don't you think it's time we get divorced? You know, because you are still married to me, you should, we should get do the divorce. We went to the lawyer, um, we went out that night to celebrate our divorce, funnily enough, and as we were sitting there talking, Jill said, you know, it strikes me that um, people think this kind of relationship is a failure. She goes, I see this as, as a success. I wouldn't be the, the human I am, I wouldn't have learned the lessons I learned. I'm so much more capable of love And I said the same thing. I said, you made me more honest. You made me a better human. I'm far better for having been with you than I ever could have been for not having been with you. And yet it still ends. And by the way, all relationships eventually end, through death or through separation. You're going to, in the end, be stuck with yourself. The idea that we're all gonna get to die with someone holding our hands, in my mind, as morbid as this sounds, is a wrong idea this is a stoic in me I simply go I just am gonna assume that I'm going to die alone even if someone is holding my hand when I die I have to make that transition by myself and I would argue again a topic for another discussion part of the reason people are so heated and uh, uh, get charged up and emotional about this thing is because really what they're trying to do is they're trying to outsource their sense of loneliness and meaningless to relationships so they don't have to be as afraid of dying and I go listen the best way to get over meaninglessness and loneliness and the fear of death is to live your life in a integrated way where I put myself first without neglecting others that is possible you know it is possible to grow yourself while evolving the rest of the world in fact I would say a next level human is someone who grows themselves while considering other people and committing to never manipulating another person's reality
0: yeah and, and a relationship ending is never a failure it's an introduction to a new version of yourself and you get to decide who that version of yourself is and I agree that I, I would not I almost said that earlier that, that I would not be the human that I am I feel in all of the best possible ways if it wasn't for having gone through the experience that I have
1: Yeah. And you attended to your wounds. Mm -hmm. You took a look at it. You felt it. You cleaned it. You mended it. You took on the education not to get cut that way again. Mm -hmm. And from that perspective, you should be able to walk forward feeling much more uh, enhanced than you had previously and a better version of yourself. And from that perspective, who wouldn't want that?
0: I hope that if nothing else, this recording gives people on both sides of the fence some hope that you can heal, you can move forward, and that you can still have really beautiful relationships in the future. This, this does not have to define you on, on, from any angle. You get to decide how you decide to use your circumstances. And the lessons that you choose to take from it, and what you decide to do, and who you decide to become in the future.
1: It can either degrade you or it can enhance you. And trust me when I say, your relationships are actually going to be better beyond what you can imagine if you learn the lessons.
0: Mm -hmm. Good way to end.
1: Thanks for hanging out, everybody, and we'll see you at the next show.
0: Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at EmilyGoffCoach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.